Bibles, please, to the Gospel of John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. And speaking about Jesus, that's what we're going to do. John chapter 8. We begin our reading this morning with verse number 1. Jesus went forth unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all of the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And this they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, Let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman... He said unto her, Woman, where art those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. As I was thinking about the message this morning, I was thinking back over the years as a pastor And the many different sad occasions where I've seen people in horrible conditions. I've been there on the scene of of an automobile accident and and witnessed horrific horrific scene. An elderly man and woman both just mangled and both dead in a matter of seconds. Uh, I, I can remember pastoring in Tennessee and getting a call for me to come quickly over to Trenton to the to the hospital, and there'd been a drive-by shooting at the police station, and having a prison and jail ministry back then, me and the the missionary went over there, and uh, as they were wheeling the cops in that had been shot with the shotgun, and seeing them come in right by us and the family gathering there and seeing the agony and the suffering of that. And thinking of the times being in the burn unit, seeing people literally burn beyond recognition, just black. And other people suffering with dreaded diseases where it had just, you could tell, drained the very life from their body. Just this morning, someone said to me that this last week they, they, they'd seen some of the, our past members. They've moved on now, but 
And the woman came up to them and began to ask questions and had to introduce herself. They didn't even recognize her. And come to find out she has cancer. She's skin and bones lost over 100 pounds. And he and her both are just in awful condition. And we could go on and on this morning talking about the horrible condition that people are in. But whether you realize it or not, there are people right here this morning that's in even worse condition than anybody that I've already described. They could pass their physical. They've got some money in the bank. They're not in poverty. Haven't got a bad report from the doctor or anything like that. They've got friends and loved ones and everything seems to be going their way. But there is one thing that causes them to be in a worse condition, in fact, the very worst possible condition of anybody on earth. And that's this one thing, and that is condemnation. Because every single person that has not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior stands condemned in the sight of God. I mean, that's not my opinion. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. But as sad as it is to think about that this morning, you being here in that condition, the wonderful thing is you don't have to leave in that condition. I don't know about you, but I love happy endings, don't you? And when I look at this story that I just read to you this morning, I see that it starts out horrible, but it ends up, happy. It's amazing to me that some of the modern translations just totally leave this story out of the Bible. People all the time wanting to know, what version do you all use down there? Well, we use the same one we've been using, you know, throughout our history, the same one that God has blessed since 1611. We still use the old King James Version of the Bible. There's nothing ever, ever found that would improve on that. Why should we change Why would someone leave a story like this out of the Bible? You mark it down. God preserved this story for a very good reason. And that is that it gives us this wonderful account of a wicked woman who experienced God's forgiveness. And so can you. I want you to notice, first of all, her sinful condition here in the first four verses. I don't need to read it again. It's very obvious. The Bible itself says she was an adulteress. You know, you probably never thought about it, but this is where the story actually starts for everyone. Your story, my story. It all starts with our sinfulness because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you'll never meet a person who can honestly claim that they have lived up to the light that they possess. That is, you'll never meet a person who can honestly say that I've done everything perfect. I've never violated any law. I've never transgressed God's law. I've never injured anyone else. I've always been honest. I've always been fair. Every person would have to say, yeah, The Bible is right. I am a sinner. 
Now, in her case, the sin was that of adultery. And, of course, that's not a big deal in the eyes of a lot of people today. In fact, some have suggested that it is even good for a marriage. Honestly, there are people who believe that. That if you want to, if you want to improve your marriage just having an affair, that'll do it. I mean, as crazy as that is, it shows you the way some people think. But regardless of what society thinks about it, it is an awful sin in the sight of God. Listen, it's awful for one thing because of the fact, the way it affects other people. It's awful because of the way it affects you. But it's most awful because it breaks or violates God's commandment. It's wrong in the eyes of God. And so that is her sin. But we see not only her sin, we see her shame. Because make no mistake about it, this woman should have been ashamed of her sin. And here we see her being shamed and made a public spectacle. And the sentence is what? Well, death. I mean, these fellows were right in the assessment of her punishment. Moses, the law that God had given, called for for her to be stoned to death. The amazing thing about it is that the same law that called for her to be stoned to death also called for him being stoned to death. Now, if she's caught in the very act of adultery, there's somebody else involved. Where's he? Where's he? You see, these these men were not interested in this woman. These men were not interested in what was right and what was fair. They were interested only in trying to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all this was to them. And by the way, even though the law commanded that she be stoned... It did not give them the right to administer that punishment. You see, no one is authorized to just take things into their own hands and, and to try to right all of the injustices. Our people have often heard me say, and speaking of one of my many weak areas, that sometimes I feel like the dirty hairy of preachers because, you know, there's something, and it's wrong but there's something within me that I have to keep in check that makes me want to be a vigilante. I mean, I, I, I just see all of these injustices and the, these innocent people getting hurt, and, you know, it just makes you want to strap on your six-gun and go out there and say, I'm going to take care of this. I'm not going to let them get by with this. But you see, I don't have that right. And these men did not have that right. No one authorized them to be the ones to punish her. And here they are parading this woman before the public, berating her before the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in these men, we see her scorners. You see, there's a story inside of the story here. These are religious leaders and their their purpose is to try to discredit the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you read the story, and if you don't know anything about it, you might think, well, they're really interested in promoting justice. But they're not. They don't care anything about her. These men are out for blood. 
These men want to do anything they can to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. They're using her as a tool. They're trying to, you know, get him to trip himself up in some way. You know, naturally, if he says, yeah, just have at it. She's a wretch. Just stone her to death. That's what she deserves. Go ahead. You, you see, they're trying to put him on the horns of a dilemma. If he says that automatically, you know, he's going to look like a, a cold-hearted religious dictator, fanatic of some kind, and nobody ought to follow somebody like that. And on the other hand, if he says, oh, yeah, well, that's what the law says, but we can, we can ignore it this time. I love what F.B. Meyer said. He says, it's a, a terrible thing for a sinner to fall into the hands of his fellow sinners. And it really is. Because a lot of times, those who profess to be God's people are the very worst enemies that we can have. And, and that's what we see here. So we see her sinfulness, which is very obvious, just like it is with you and I. I mean, the evidence is there for all to see. Not one of us can say, I've lived a perfect life. Well, you said, well, preacher, I'm not as bad as I could be. I mean, my, I know people that are a lot worse than I am. And maybe, maybe you don't do the things they do. It might be you've never been guilty of adultery in all of your life. That's wonderful. But you're as bad off as you can be. Because, look, if you violated God's law in one point, the Bible says you're guilty as though you violated all of the commandments. You only have to break one link in a chain, right? That's all that it takes. And it all falls upon you. And every unsaved person is condemned in the sight of God. That's not because God hates you. In fact, God loves you. We're condemned because of the fact that God is a holy and a righteous God. Because God is holy, sin has to be punished. So now, now the story shifts from her and her sinfulness and away from those who slandered her, her scorners, and the focus is now on the Savior, and that's where it needs to be. And in this, we see a picture of grace. Maybe one of the best pictures of grace we find anywhere in all of the Bible, because here is a sinful woman caught in the very act, deserving of death, and she walks away unscathed. So we see a condemned sinner, a cruel scheme, but a compassionate Savior and a complete salvation. Contrary to what you might have thought, this story is not about a sinful woman. This story is actually not about these religious hypocrites. This is a story about a compassionate Savior. And without Him, we're no better off than this woman. And no better off than her accusers. Because apart from Him, there is no help. And there is no hope, and there can be no happiness. Although you've never committed her sin, if you're not saved, you're as bad off as she, as she was. 
The wonderful thing, like old Stuart Hamlin's song says, you know, what he's done for others, he'll do for you. And what he did for this woman, he'll do for you. Regardless of who you are or what you've done, regardless of how you came into this service today, you can leave different. Your story, whatever it is, your story can have a happy ending just like her story. You see, we read this and our mind is focused on her and on her enemies and so forth. And we look at the, the historical record and, and learn things from it, but it never becomes of any great profit to us until we make it personal. And that's what we need to do this morning. We need to make this personal right down where each one of us lives. Think about your past record. You say, well, I, boy, I can't think of anything that ought to be that big on the list. I can't think of anything where I've done any major damage to anyone else. Well, maybe you ought to ask your wife or your husband or your kids. They can probably think of something. But I'll tell you what, if they can't, God can. God can. God knows whether it's the thoughts that we think, whether it's the deeds we do, whether it's the things that we omit, or whatever it might be. God knows our sinful condition. And the amazing thing is, you know, the Lord could have looked at her and said, yeah, I mean, this is horrible. I mean, here is a woman that cares nothing about the, 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 the man and his family. She didn't care if she hurts other people. It doesn't matter to her. She didn't care anything about herself. She didn't care anything about my laws. I mean, just do with her whatever you want. In spite of all of that, he loved her. And in spite of whatever you might have done, he loves you. The Bible says God loved us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For who? For the ungodly. He died for us. I mean, just like we are. He didn't say you've got to stop that and start this and make changes. And See, a lot of people misunderstand repentance. The Bible tells us to repent and believe, and a lot of people interpret repentance as meaning that we've got to stop this habit and that habit, you know, and we've got to quit all of these things, and they turn around and make salvation, you know, to be dependent upon works. And it's left the impression with some, like the one, one, one fellow told my pastor many years ago, I'll become a Christian if I can ever stop drinking. What does that have to do with it? You don't become a Christian by stopping your drinking. That doesn't make you a Christian. You see, repentance has to do with a change of your mind, a change of your mind in regards to you, in regards to your sin, in regards to Christ. And whenever we change our mind about our sinfulness and change our mind, as it were, about the Lord Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and by faith we trust Him, that's when we become a child of God. You see, we're not getting the whole story here because this record doesn't tell us what's going on in her heart. But the Lord knows. I mean, I don't want you to get the impression that he just arbitrarily said, oh, well, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. In other words, you're free. You're off the hook. You're okay. 
You see, God can't ignore sin. Sin's got to be paid for. Sin will be paid for by someone. But the Lord knows the attitude of her heart. And in her heart, she is repentant toward God. Here is a woman that is indeed sorry for the sins that she has committed. A woman who is confident that Jesus Christ is her Lord and Savior. All it, it's not verbalized here. That's true. But he knows her heart. And a lot of people, you know, they, they make salvation dependent upon prayer. It happens all of the time. Somebody say, well, do you want to be saved? Well, you know, I would take my hand and repeat after me. You know, and they say a little prayer and they get somebody to repeat that prayer after them. And then they say, all right, now you're saved. So they walk out of the building, you know, just as lost as they were before they came. You know, six months later, a year later, or ten years later, or whatever it is, they suddenly realize that I, I haven't been saved all of this time because salvation is not dependent on a prayer. It's not dependent on the things that we do. It's dependent upon what Jesus did and our willingness to trust Him. So how amazing is it that God was willing to forgive this woman, that God's willing to Remove the condemnation that is against her. But think about this. How amazing it would have been had this woman said to him, let justice be done. The Lord said, woman, where are thine accusers? Where are they they at? I don't don't see them. I, I don't know what all transpired. I don't know what he wrote on the ground. I've heard sermons on that, you know, and... And those preachers didn't know any more than I do or any more than you do. They just filling up space because they have no idea. Somebody says, oh, he was writing the names of the guilty men on there. So I don't know what he wrote. It, it doesn't matter, but boy, they got the message, whatever it is. Amen. They got the message, and that's the point. And for that woman then to have said to the Lord, look, I, I, I've been a terrible person. I have been awful. Just let justice be done. Let the sword of justice fall on my neck. I'm ready for it. I deserve to go to hell. Just let me go to hell. Nobody in their right mind would do that. But do you realize there are people that every day they're doing that very thing Because they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ deep down in their heart. They know they're not right with God. They know they've never been born again. And every day they go on willingly, knowingly living under God's condemnation. Were I to ask this morning, how are you? A lot of people would, well, I'd get all kinds of different answers. Some really wouldn't give an answer. They'd just say, well, I'm okay. And maybe I'd say, well, I want you to be more specific than that. And depending on the circumstances, you'd get all kinds of different answers. But the truth is a lot of people have no idea as to what their condition is because a lot of folks think they're in good shape because, well, they have good health, right? I'm healthy. I I just went to the doctor last week, had a checkup. He gave me a passing grade. I'm in good health. And... I've got money in the bank, so I don't have any financial problems. You know, that's a big plus. 
I've got a loving family. I've got really good friends. I've got a good job. And in reality, you just might be better off than if you didn't have any of those things. You see, if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me, let me show you how God describes you. You're dead. Spiritually, you're dead. We say, what do you mean I'm dead? Spiritually, you're dead. You are separated from God. There's no connection there between you and God. You can look out and you can see God's creation. And you can be impressed by His mighty power. You can pick up the Bible and you can read the Bible and be impressed with His great wisdom and so forth. But spiritually, you're dead. You are lifeless when it comes to to the Spirit. But Jesus said, you are, John 3.18, you are condemned already. I want, you, I want you to let that sink in because a lot of folks got the idea, well, I realize that, you know, that uh, if I don't live up to God's standard, one of these days when I die, you know, and I stand before God and He weighs my good works and my bad works, you know, I'm going to have to wait and to see if I make it in. In the first place, you don't have any good works. None. Now, you might have done some impressive things, and you might have done things that are good by man's standard, but the Bible says concerning those that are unsaved, even the plowing of the wicked is sin. You haven't done anything good. Nothing, certainly nothing good enough to merit you being forgiven and accepted in God's heaven. So there's no... No pluses on your side. It's all bad news. That's the point. Condemned already. Not later on. Not someday when you stand before God and your life is evaluated, but condemned already. Oh, Jonathan Edwards in his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. What an amazing sermon that was. Jonathan Edwards preached that message intentionally in a monotone voice. It was in a darkened auditorium and in the light of a candle. And here's a man with thick spectacles on and he's reading his manuscript like this. And he begins to describe how that the sinner is hanging by a spider's thread over the gaping Jaws of hell. And it's as though he's just swinging there, hanging on by that, that spider's web. And at any moment, at any moment, he could fall off into the lake of fire and the people begin to cry and fall on their faces and literally grab the pillars of the building and hanging on lest they fall off into hell. The picture that he painted, folks, is real. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. 
It's not that you're going to be condemned someday. You right now are just as condemned as that woman was. Condemned already. She was condemned before she committed adultery. She's already condemned. Those religious hypocrites that brought her there were condemned. The wonderful thing is, Jesus, knowing her heart, said, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Can you imagine when that woman left there that day, how she must have felt? They sang that song without him a while ago. And I almost... I almost lost it because the day that I got saved, Mylon Lefebvre, a little teenage boy, had written that song. And it was just getting popular back then. And the day that I was saved, we had, we had sung that song. Without him, how lost I would be. Boy, I tell you, when I walked out of the Community Baptist Church in Willard, Missouri that day, it felt like the world had been lifted off of my shoulders. It felt like all the little birds were singing Amazing Grace. I'd never experienced anything like that in all of my life. I didn't understand all about it. I just knew that I was a great sinner and Jesus was a great Savior and He was my only hope and I trusted Him. I can, you see, I can identify with what that woman must have felt when he said, neither do I condemn thee. There's no condemnation against you. No fault. The record's clear today, for he washed my sins away. The old account was settled long ago. It was settled. It's over. It's done. God is hidden our sins behind His back, buried in the depths of the sea, and He said, I'll remember them no more. Aren't you glad God doesn't throw up all of your old sins every time you fail a little bit? No, they're all under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I think about this woman leaving there that day, I, I can't help but wonder if she ever saw that other guilty party again. Maybe they met walking down the street. Maybe he suggested, hey, let's do it again. I wonder, I wonder what her answer would be. Well, I think I know. I often wonder what she might have said had she met her accusers later on. You see, these guys, that you believe, believe me, they didn't give up that easy. This is the same crowd that crucified Jesus Christ. Do you think they're going to go light on her? Not at all. I wish I could have heard what she might have said to them after the fact. But I also can't help but wonder what she might have said to mom and dad, or her, maybe her husband or her family. I've often thought about Rahab, the harlot. You know the story. 
If there had not been a change in her life, she would have not been able to bring anyone under the shelter of her protection. When she put that scarlet thread, that rope in the window, you know, said God's judgment is about to fall, but there's safety to be found here. Had she been living that same lifestyle, they would have mocked her. Thank God they saw a difference. And let me tell you this, when a person has truly been forgiven, when they've been born again, when we've really been saved, we'll be different. I didn't say we'll be perfect, but we'll be different. And thank God for the difference that He makes in a person's life. He changes us. We become a new creature, the Bible says. So I want to end where I started. If you're here today and you've never been saved, the picture for you could not be any worse. Somebody that knows the Lord as their Savior laying in a burn unit, burned beyond recognition, is in better shape than you are. Someone whose body is riddled with buckshot. If they know the Lord as their Savior, they're better off than you are. Someone who is just about at the end of their life. Cancer has taken its toll and eaten away the vitals of their body, and they're almost gone. If they know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're better off than you are. But your story doesn't have to end there. The condemnation that is against you, remember, God is the one that has condemned you. Because it's God's law that you violated. And He is the only one that can forgive you. You could apologize to me all day long and I, I, I couldn't really actually forgive you. I don't have that power. You know, I can't do anything about my own sins, let alone your sins. But Jesus paid it all. Amen. He died in your place. He paid your debt. And therefore, there is no condemnation, Jesus said. Think about that. Oh, I'll tell you, that gives you a future. That gives you a happiness. That gives you a purpose in life. And if you've been saved, I hope you'll go out of here today and you'll let the world show, you'll show the world the difference that Jesus Christ has made in your life. And if you're not saved today, I hope that you'll put your trust in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and become a child of God. We're going to give you that opportunity. You may you may be just like I was on that day. The sermon was over. I don't even remember what the, ser- the pastor preached that day. I don't. But I remember standing there I remember realizing that I was a sinner, that I was going to hell, that I deserved to go there. And I realized that God was dealing with my heart. And I'll never forget because undoubtedly, undoubtedly, he could see the agony that I was in. And he said, if you'll just take that first step, he said, God will help you come the rest of the way. And boy, I just, I thought, well, I'm a, I'm a pretty big, tough dude, you know, I can surely do that. And, I gripped the pew in front of me and lifted one foot, and the next thing I knew, I was down there on my face before God. 
You say, well, when did you get saved? Somewhere between there and... Amen. 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 And the same one that saved me, the same one that delivered that woman, will save you this morning. Trust Him. Let's stand. Father, how we thank You for Your saving grace. How we thank You, Heavenly Father, that regardless of how vile and sinful that we are, that that we can't do anything to stop You from loving us. How we thank You for that unconditional love, the love that You've already proven with the gift of Your Son on the cross at Calvary. And I just pray this morning that You'll speak to those that are strangers to Your saving grace, that You'll tug at their heartstrings, Make them aware of their true spiritual condition. And Lord, this morning I pray that they'll not put it off any longer, but this very day that they'll realize how awful it is to be without Jesus. And this very day that they'll put His trust in Him and be saved. For we beg it in Jesus' dear name. Amen.